Chapter 14 of Ships That Pass in the Night This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ships That Pass in the Night by Beatrice Harridan Chapter 14 Concerning the Caretakers the doctors in Petershoff always said that the caretakers of the invalids were a much greater anxiety than the invalids themselves. The invalids would either get better or die, one of two things, probably. At any rate, you knew where you were with them. But not so with the caretakers. There was nothing they were not capable of doing, except taking reasonable care of their invalids. They either fussed about too much, or else they did not fuss about at all. They all began by doing the right thing, they all ended by doing the wrong. The fussy ones had fits of apathy, when the poor irritable patients seemed to get a little better. The negligent ones had paroxysms of attentiveness, when their invalids, accustomed to loneliness and neglect, seemed to become rather worse by being worried. To remonstrate with the caretakers would have been folly, for they were well satisfied with their own methods. To contrive their departure would have been an impossibility, for they were firmly convinced that their presence was necessary to the welfare of their charges. And then, too, judging from the way in which they managed to amuse themselves, they liked being in Petershoff, though they never owned that to the invalids. On the contrary, it was the custom for the caretakers to depreciate the place, and to deplore the necessity which obliged them to continue there month after month. They were fond, too, of talking about the sacrifices which they made, and the pleasures which they willingly gave up in order to stay with their invalids. They said this in the presence of their invalids, and if the latter had told them by all means to pack up and go back to the pleasures which they had renounced, they would have been astonished at the ingratitude which could suggest the idea. They were amusing characters, these caretakers. They were so thoroughly unconscious of their own deficiencies. They might neglect their own invalids, but they would look after other people's invalids, and play the nurse most soothingly and prettily, where there was no call and no occasion. Then they would come and relate to their neglected dear ones what they had been doing for others, and the dear ones would smile quietly, and watch the buttons being stitched on for strangers, and the cornflour which they could not get nicely made for themselves, being carefully prepared for other people's neglected dear ones. Some of the dear ones were rather bitter." but there were many of a higher order of intelligence who seemed to realize that they had no right to be ill and that being ill and therefore a burden on their friends they must make the best of everything and be grateful for what was given them and patient when anything was withheld others of a still higher order of understanding attributed the eccentricities of the caretakers to one cause alone the petershoff air they know it had the invariable effect of getting into the head and upsetting the balance of those who drank deep of it therefore no one was to blame and no one need be bitter but these were the philosophers of the colony a select and dainty few in any colony but there were several rebels amongst the invalids and they found consolation in confiding to each other their separate grievances they generally held their conferences in the rooms known as the newspaper rooms where they were not likely to be interrupted by any caretakers who might have stayed at home because they were tired out to-day there were only a few rebels gathered together but they were more than usually excited, because the doctors had told several of them that their respective caretakers must be sent home. "'What must I do?' said little Mademoiselle Girardi, wringing her hands. "'The doctor says that I must tell my sister to go home, that she only worries me and makes me worse. He calls her a whirlwind. 
If I won't tell her, then he will tell her, and we shall have some more scenes. Mon Dieu! And I am so tired of them. They terrify me. I would suffer anything rather than have a fresh scene. And I can't get her to do anything for me. She has no time for me. And yet she thinks she takes the greatest possible care of me, and devotes the whole day to me. Why, sometimes I never see her for hours altogether. Well, at least she does not quarrel with everyone, as my mother does, said a Polish gentleman, Monsieur Lechensky. Nearly every day she has a quarrel with someone or other, and then she comes to me and says she has been insulted. And others come to me mad with rage and complain that they have been insulted by her, as though I were to blame. I tell them that now. I tell them that my mother's quarrels are not my quarrels. But one longs for peace, and the doctor says I must have it, and that my mother must go home at once. If I tell her that, she will have a tremendous quarrel with the doctor. As it is, he will scarcely speak to her. So you see, Mademoiselle Girardi, that I, too, am in a bad plight. What am I to do? Then a young American spoke. He had been getting gradually worse since he came to Petershoff, but his brother, a bright, sturdy young fellow, seemed quite unconscious of the seriousness of his condition. "'And what am I to do?' he asked pathetically. "'My brother does not even think I am ill. He says I am to rouse myself and come skating and tobogganing with him. Then I tell him that the doctor says I must lie quietly in the sun. I have no one to take care of me, so I try to take a little care of myself.' and then I am laughed at. It is bad enough to be ill, but it is worse when those who might help you a little won't even believe in your illness. I wrote home once and told them, but they go by what he says, and they too tell me to rouse myself. His cheeks were sunken, his eyes were leaden. There was no power in his voice, no vigor in his frame. He was just slipping quickly down the hill for want of proper care and understanding. I don't know whether I am much better off than you, said an English lady, Mrs. Bridgetower. I certainly have a trained nurse to look after me, but she is altogether too much for me, and she does just as she pleases. She is always ailing, or else pretends to be, and she is always depressed. She grumbles from eight in the morning till nine at night. I have heard that she is cheerful with other people, but she never gives me the benefit of her brightness. Poor thing! She does feel the cold very much, but it is not very cheering to see her crouching near the stove, with her arms almost clasping it. When she is not talking of her own looks, all she says is, Oh, if I had only not come to Petershoff, or why did I ever leave that hospital in Manchester, or the cold is eating into the very marrow of my bones. At first she used to read to me, but it was such a dismal performance that I could not bear to hear her. Why don't I send her home? Well, my husband will not hear of me being alone, and he thinks I might do worse than keep Nurse Francis, and perhaps I might. I would give a good deal to have a sister like pretty Fräulein Müller has, said little Fräulein Oberhoff. She came to look after me the other day when I was alone. She has the kindest way about her, but when my sister came in, she was not pleased to find Fräulein Sophie Müller with me. She does not do anything for me herself, and she does not like anyone else to do anything either. Still, she is very good to other people. She comes up from the theatre sometimes at half-past nine, that is the hour when I am just sleepy and she stamps about the room and makes cornflour for the old polish lady then off she goes taking with her the cornflour together with my sleep once i complained but she said i was irritable you can't think how teasing it is to hear the noise of the spoon stirring the cornflour just when you are feeling drowsy you say to yourself will that cornflour never be made it seems to take centuries 
one could be more patient if it were being made for oneself said monsieur lechinsky but at least frulein your sister does not quarrel with everyone you must be grateful for that mercy even as he spoke a stout lady thrust herself into the reading-room she looked very hot and excited she was monsieur lechinsky's mother she spoke with a whirlwind of polish words it is sometimes difficult to know when these people are angry and when they are pleased but there was no mistake about madame lechinsky she was always angry her son rose from the sofa and followed her to the door then he turned round to his confederates and shrugged his shoulders another quarrel he said hopelessly End of chapter 14